1: Wow!
2: Hello and welcome to the Broad in Japan podcast. Probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host Chris Broad, and we're joined by top London radio DJ and Brian Cranston's new new bestest friend, Pete Donaldson. Pete, how are yeah. you here? Yeah, me and Walter
3: White <laughs> hanging out, doing a bit of uh, oh, what drugs. was the drug they took? Not crack. What did they
2: make? I can't remember. But meth. they made some kind of meth, staggering that's amount it. of crystal meth. Yes, blue meth. <laughs> <laughs> well done though. Well done for getting him to shout out the podcast. It's, uh, I was quite happy with that. Of all the celebrities you chose, <laughs> all the celebrities you could have got, Brian Cranston's a solid one, especially as um, people always seem to compare me to Frankie Muniz, especially a few years ago. I don't know why. Don't, which I don't it, see the resemblance. Which one's Frankie Muniz? The uh... From um, Malcolm in the Middle. The oh, main guy. I don't see Malcolm. that at all. No, I don't yes, see that at good. all. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good, people, good. And also Marcus Mumford, apparently. Don't... I guess that one makes a bit more sense but A
3: little, a little yeah. bit a le- There's a little bit more of a facial representation there But I mean I, I would I would yeah. hazard that you're a little bit more handsome Than Marcus Mumford Then then again Marcus yes. Mumford is incredibly charismatic uh, And I always enjoy interviewing him well, So there we go
2: Of course yeah you would have met him Actually you got to see first hand yeah. <laughs> uh, But uh, you know good job with Brian Cranston I actually always think of Japan When I think of him these days Given that he was in the recent Godzilla movie Yes, he was, wasn't he, yeah. And uh, more recently, Isle of Dogs, which I'm dying to see. Where's Anderson? I'm guessing you you had to see it to interview him, right?
3: Yeah, every time you interview someone, you have to watch their films. And Isle of Dogs is
2: such a good film. Uh, Chris, I know you want to see it, and I know it's not out for a little while in Japan, but what a film! I mean, I watched Fantastic Mr Fox the other day to get in the spirit. Oh, did you? (laughs) Did you get in the mood? (laughs) I did, but now I've got to wait another two months before it bloody well comes out here.
3: Maybe maybe so someone leak a screener or something. But it is mainly... I mean, there's a lot of Japanese in there. Uh, and stylistically, just seeing the way that they sort mm. of uh, write the Japanese and write the English translations and stuff, and there are there are huge kind of uh, swathes of it just in Japanese, and you just got to work out what they're saying from uh, the way that they gesticulate and things
2: like that. <laughs> it's really interesting. Did your uh, speedy Japanese lessons from this podcast come in handy? No, nobody at what
3: any point posting? said Hiroi. <laughs> 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 so I unfortunately
2: not, no. <laughs> (laughs) Oh, too bad. Yeah, no, I'd love to see it. I I really would. I I saw some, like, critics had a pop at it for the old whitewashing business, you know, Mm. but it doesn't seem like the sort of film that would actually be an issue there. What do you think? What do you make of that?
3: I mean, none of the breeds specifically are Japanese dogs. And, I mean, I presume uh, Mayor Kobayashi is Japanese because he speaks Japanese most of the way through the film. So I think everyone who speaks Japanese is Japanese. Uh, The dogs themselves... the, The problem is... You know, Japan isn't a big market. Uh, China's obviously a huge market and stuff, so I understand why people get upset about that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, you've got to sell a film globally, and if you're going to have um, uh, uh, characters that are dogs that aren't Japanese, mm. you're going to have to pull in some Hollywood uh, Hollywood people to, to, to sell your film. That's just the, the way it goes, unfortunately. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. But I mean, uh, I I've got I... to wait two months for the Isle of Dogs to come out now, so... Damn it. God damn it Damn you <laughs> Japanese film Culture I don't know why that is It's coming out In like every country In Asia I looked it up I even thought about like Flying to Taiwan Or South Korea Just to see it <laughs> to yeah, For it. some reason Always the latest one In Japan yeah. I don't know why that is
3: do, do, you, do you want to have a crack At flying to Taiwan again uh, Is that Is that you going to be tearing? Chris has had A you terrible week devil. This Chris has had a terrible week This week He uh, tried to fly to It was Taiwan Wasn't it It was Taiwan Yeah Yeah what
2: happened, Chris? Oh, Come on. I, uh, I was going to Taiwan to see a friend for like three or four days. It was a much-needed three or four days, given that I've had a pretty hardcore month in March. I'm trying to put out more videos this month on the channel than ever before. And, uh, yeah, so it was my light at the end of the tunnel, going to Taiwan, seeing some friends, catching up, and just having a bit of time off. I passed through airport security. I got to the boarding like boarding gate, whatever, about to get on the plane, and they looked at my... This woman came over and was like, show me your passport. I was like, here's my passport. She looked at it, and she was like, oh, you can't go to Taiwan. You need six months on your passport before you go to Taiwan. And my like, passport expires in, like, May or June or something. So, yeah, I, I was escorted <laughs> back to the <laughs> airport. Looking like an idiot, I had to go... It was awkward, because technically I left Japan, right? Because I'd right. gone through the uh, departures and the security <laughs> immigration. So I had to re, like, come back into Japan again, through immigration, <laughs> feeling like an utter mug, being escorted by uh, two staff from the airline, and uh, I just felt like just such a, an idiot um, <laughs> what what are your and I was sitting on the train coming back from Sendai airport uh, just like what have I done oh I'm no. an idiot and yeah what are your so I can't uh, travel uh, outside japan for a while <laughs> I like the idea any of you passport.
3: I like the idea of you being at um, immigration sort of uh, being readmitted to japan going what are your reasons for travel what are your reasons for uh, mug, coming to japan being a mug, and you're going yeah. <laughs> I live here and I'm silly oh. I was a silly boy <laughs> oh not no, good. Chris, that's no good. Well, at least you've managed to squeeze more videos out, and that's the main
2: thing. And that's what people. Yeah, March was a good March was a good month for videos. I've mm. kind of feel good about myself. I think we've got like seven videos out, a new record. Mm. I think the record before was like four, four yeah. videos. So yeah, um, but yeah, I thought t- that today this in this podcast we'd talk about just life behind the scenes as a YouTuber and uh, our careers and the way our lives have gone. Mm. Uh, because it's a, I get loads of people asking me for careers advice, and it's really awkward. Uh, I've, I get dozens every month, um, people asking me around the world like what they should do after they've left high school. Uh, yeah. It's just really awkward. I mean, I, I'm i just a YouTube guy. I make videos in my bedroom. I'm not an expert <laughs> on careers. Uh, but, you know, I do give some, some advice. I don't know if I have anything useful. The one thing I say to people is... Uh, Try and and imagine you're 80 years old. I read this in a book once, like a self-help book. It was like, imagine that you're about to die. What would you want your life to look like? And you've got to, like, imagine your funeral and what it would all look like and how your life would have played out. It's quite Mm. a depressing way of looking at things, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, so I always try and tell people to think about what you want your life to look like when you look back at it. And for me, I kind of want mine to look like a pirate movie mixed with James Bond, somewhere between Pirates of the Caribbean and James Bond. Um, yeah. I hasn't, mean, y- hasn't y- quite know- worked out.
3: You, you never see James Bond um, in front of a, a copy of Adobe Premiere editing videos, but I mean, look, it, that might or be the next film. Or not getting on the plane
2: because of his passport's <laughs> run out. Imagine <laughs> that, no, James Mr. Bond. He needs to fly over to like I don't know, get to China or something. It's like, sorry, Mr. Bond, you can't fly. Your, your passport runs out in six months. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> no, Mr. That's, Bond, that's really <laughs> I
3: expect you to go to the passport office <laughs> <laughs> and stand in a line for ages. Uh, well, oh, what, 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 I would, what I would say about Chris is that. Uh, Chris is a bit a bit younger than me, and uh, to see a man uh, a so young, young yet so, well, very a lot younger. Very. You uh, let's not get into it on the podcast, Chris. <laughs> I, I want people. So uh, it's not about me. Mid thirties. It, it's not about me. It's about <laughs> you uh, and, and your achievements. But also, I don't want people getting upset that they have to listen to someone in their mid thirties. You know, it, I, it's just one of those things, isn't it? And also, I can give you a perspective. I'm thirty six. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a perspective of someone who's who's a little bit older, you know, a little bit more mature, really Chris. Yeah, with responsibilities. I don't have any responsibilities. That's why I go wisdom. to Japan every
2: year. It's true. it's true. Anyway, you're
3: in Japan. You should respect your elders. I want to know in front of every noun. I hate that. I
2: hate that part of the culture. The whole like looking up to elderly people just because they're elderly. I mean, obviously, we do that in the West, but they yeah. do it here like to the extreme, to the point that it's a bit silly. Oh, you've grown a beard. Uh, I must respect you. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, um, yeah, I mean, it's a topic I get asked about a lot. Being a YouTuber is a weird thing. Mm. It's, like, one of the most popular career paths for people here at the moment, for teenagers at school. I think I the, a lot of teenagers were asked about it. What was the top three jobs? And, like, YouTuber was up there. I think it's because Japanese YouTubers generally just sit in their bedroom and just talk about things. And mm. it doesn't look kind of – doesn't require that much effort. Uh, yeah, it's a lot more laid back, whereas I tend to travel a lot, and it's a lot more hard work. Although, I'm thinking, why do I travel so much, given that the videos that always do the best it just involve me sitting in my room talking about things. So, I think I'm going down the wrong, <laughs> wrong way of making videos. But... Um, yeah, it's very popular. I don't understand why, but yeah. So I thought I'd talk about that today.
3: But so you have made a transition from kind of person who just sit in his bedroom, you know, talking about how you learned the Japanese kanji mm. or, or stuff like that, because that's where I first um, experienced you. Because I was I was a bit of a fanboy, Chris, before we met. Um, Me but that, that's how I uh, that's how I first uh, remember sort of seeing you like a couple of years ago when I was first trying to learn Japanese. But you've kind of expanded and become uh, you become a filmmaker, haven't you? Really.
2: That was, I guess, yeah, I guess that's kind of the aim. Like, it, it, there comes a point where saying to people, I'm a YouTuber, gets a bit old. Like, if yep. you try going to a party or a networking event, and people are like, what do you do? I go, I'm a, I'm a YouTuber, and they go, oh, yes. Oh, um, look, the sandwiches are over here. And that sort of slowly <laughs> walk off and edge away. Uh, but no, like, YouTube, for me, it's always been like a stepping stone to something more, to, like, mm. being a filmmaker. So I guess, naturally, that was the way... Things were going to go. Although back in back when I started in two thousand twelve, when I came to Japan, i never anticipated that I'd still be doing it now. It was always kind of a little hobby. I'd like to say that I was I am a genius who, like, foresaw that this would all happen and like could see that things would go down this route. But it was kind of a combination of luck and good timing, I guess. Like when I came here, there were no. There weren't that many vloggers in Japan, mm. to be honest. YouTube was still a bit new. It's 2012. YouTube was still coming into, like, becoming, like, the platform it is now. And uh, and one of the reasons I did it was because I looked up where I was coming, uh, where I was going to live in Japan, and there was nothing online. Absolutely nothing. Mm. Like, it's e- it was easy to find videos on, like, Tokyo and Osaka, but the countryside, there was nothing. So I kind mm. of thought, there's a hole to be filled there. Uh, a, a hole to be filled full of, full of videos.
3: Yeah. Full of crisp broads. A crisp broad shaped <laughs> hole. Yeah, it is you're right, you're right though. And 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 when someone's got an interest in a particular subject, like it's very easy to fall down a click hole and watch all of the videos. You know what I mean? Like I must have pile yeah, through like, yeah. you know, like ninety nine percent of everyone's videos about Japan and stuff. What is there like a... Like a bit of a community with... Because uh, you sort of occasionally see the same yeah. faces, like the, 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 the red-haired girl who's in a couple of your videos. Sorry, I'm being very rude, but I don't know Rachel, her name. But like Rachel. Rachel, and I think she's got married. And she's got her own channel with her husband, I think. And you see these yeah. kind of... Like, and you get snapshots of everyone's lives because they're, the faces are kind of uh, always there or thereabouts, so to
2: speak. Mm. I mean, there, yeah, there is a community. We call We call ourselves... J vloggers, J vloggers. Like it's not the most flattering term. In fact, I hate it. But <laughs> nonetheless, we are J vloggers, vloggers living in Japan, and mm. the community. It used to be a bit more prominent. Um, mm. I think, in the, yeah, about four, three or four years ago, everyone kind of knew each other. There was lots of meetups and things. But in recent years. Not so much. I'm not sure why that is. People kind of are fragmented. busy. People <laughs> left Japan. Yeah, people are busy. Editing. People have left. You know. Yeah, uh, that's a lot true. of the people from the early days uh, have gone now, travelled away from Japan and left to gone back home. So, mm. yeah, it's changed. But I'm I'm lucky to know most vloggers in Japan, um, like Rachel, the redheaded girl you mentioned, yeah. uh, Rachel <laughs> and June. They're probably they're they're probably the biggest J vlog channel. Uh, right they're certainly bigger than mine, they've got like one point two million subscribers. Um but yeah, no, the what 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 has happened is I haven't noticed many new channels like pop up in the last few years though. Mm. It's like the channels this is the worrying thing about YouTube, I often wonder if it's kind of already matured. It's a lot harder now to break through if you're a new channel because you've got these established channels already with millions of subscribers and whatnot, uh that are already there, kind of taking all the cake. Yeah. Um but luckily, I seem to have, I seem to be in that part. I seem to have a nice piece of the cake myself. Um, so you I got can't really in, complain about that.
3: You got in with the old cake when it was still young cake. Did now the old cake? And now you've got a cupboard full of old cake.
2: Perhaps a pizza would have been a better analogy. Eh? Given the number of pizzas I eat every week with the podcast, although can we get a fact, pizza up? No pizza this week. What? No pizza at all. I know, I and know. you
3: and you were feeling rather under the weather as well. This could be pizza related. Your pizza levels are so low right now, dangerously low. Yeah,
2: I felt a bit, I felt a bit weird today, not so energetic. <laughs> I guess it's big, yeah, lack of pizza. So, pizza, <laughs> a man withdrawal by pizza withdrawal <laughs> <laughs> symptoms. Pizza withdrawal symptoms. So
3: obviously, you started as uh, an English um, teaching assistant in a um, in a Japanese school. Mm. How quick and how easy was the transition? I mean, obviously, we've spoken at length about the administrative challenges uh, that faces anyone Mm. who wants to change careers or change visas uh, in Japan. How quickly was that transition, and and, and how easy was the decision to make?
2: I always said, like, if if I had 100,000 subscribers, I would do it full-time, and it took, Mm. I think it took two and a half years to get to that point. It was pretty slow, because I only made, like... uh, one video a month because I didn't have time to do any do any more basically, yeah. and I kind of thought if I can only make if I can't make that many videos, then I better just make like put as much effort into it as I can every month right with one decent fairly well edited video. Yeah. But yeah, it took two and a half years to get hundred thousand, uh, and then I was like, oh crap, I've got hundred thousand now. I've got to actually do this full time. Um, so I, I originally I was going to stay for two years as an English teacher. But uh, I decided to stay in japan as a you know as a vlogger, do youtube full time so I did one more year of teaching English, taking my full time as a teacher to three years, yeah, and I gave that like years like a kind of planning time to work out what I was gonna do um and uh yeah it was it was tough though I mean I finished teaching and I went back home for like four about three or four months I think, and kind of planned out what I was going to do and then I ended up moving to Sendai because where I was living before in Sakata and Yamagata there weren't any as lovely as it was and I still go back there I love it so much there's just no business opportunities as you mm. can probably tell I mean you've been there you've seen it uh, there's not a whole lot going on business wise and it's quite far from civilization in general yeah yeah um, so I yeah I moved to Sendai and I I actually met a venture capitalist a few a few months before that I met a venture capitalist I went to a what was it startup weekend you know startup weekend okay so where well, you all kind of like a fake business or something over oh, okay, the, course yeah. of the weekend mm. and I met this venture capitalist who introduced me to Ryotaro, uh who's in lots of the videos uh and he thought Ryotaro does a lot of stuff with trying to he, he kind of focused on inbound tourism and stuff and we mm. kind of saw that this was a good way we could connect and uh, he encouraged me to move to Sendai because that's where he was he said we could make videos together and I thought Sendai is beautifully connected to everything and it's still in Tohoku so I moved to Sendai but the first year was pretty tough there because um, I kind of started from scratch again I lived in an apartment that cost just a staggering amount of money it was like 10 man a month which was like all my income gone yeah. on rent um, and uh, yeah, it was really tough. That make or break year back in 2016 was like my hardest year as a YouTuber. Hmm. But uh, by the end of the year, things were taking off and things were good. And uh, yeah, it's been all right since then. But um, yeah, no, it's it's a it's a strange thing being a YouTuber. I often wake up in the morning and think, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> I'm my own boss. I don't have to do anything if I sit here in bed. Nothing happens. Yeah. And if I get out of bed, I can you know make a video and that'll get. A few hundred thousand views or whatever
3: did did you ever get that feeling where you've taken like an hour off to play a video game or just relax but you feel incredibly guilty because there's always something you could be doing there's mm. something you could be doing this it's almost getting into a routine uh and a headspace where you're like it's cool to take a couple of hours off because my videos will be better for it um but did you ever get the anxiety sort of like oh I'm I'm you know if I don't do this right now I'm just never mm. going to get done and stuff
2: you, I, um, I was talking to a friend about this the other day. How like it's weird as a YouTuber, I see, I see my life as a video game these days, as an no, RPG. Is that does that sound t- creepy? Is that a lot sound of side rude? quests. Definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, you think every minute that I'm wasting, I could be doing something productive. I could be yeah. making a new video. I could be networking. I could be traveling. Uh, as much as I love video games yeah I haven't played them half as much over the last five years as I did before I used to love video games only recently since I got that switch that we discussed uh, have I been playing like Skyrim like Mm. maybe every day for like an hour or so Uh, but any more than that and I do get this kind of yeah I get this feeling of anxiety kicking in that I'm doing something wrong that I should be Focusing my efforts on doing something in real life Whenever I'm meeting someone in a quest in Skyrim I'm thinking that's somebody I could have met in Tokyo on a quest And <laughs> unlocked the opportunity to make a film or something ridiculous like that Really stupid way of seeing the world to be honest But you should, you uh, yeah, You have to be like that To be successful <clears throat> I guess To do well you need that kind of anxiety and pressure mm, From definitely. within yourself to like, give you the kick and get out of bed and get things done
3: when you do your videos and stuff, like, obviously when I first um, watched one of your videos, it was when I was trying to learn a couple of words and trying to learn a, a little bit of vocabulary and stuff. Um, you rarely speak Japanese in your videos. In yeah, fact, you yeah. never, even when you say the odd word and stuff, it's always very well signposted, very well kind of um, covered with, with English translations and stuff. Because
2: your Japanese is excellent, but you seem quite shy on your videos to use it. Why is that? Yeah, <laughs> I guess... I, I, it's become, like, a thing. Like in the early days, it was because I didn't know Japanese. Then mm. it was because I was a little bit shy, and now it's kind of just stuck. I mean, there is a far more practical reason, and that is, I think, like, 95% of my viewers probably don't know any Japanese. I don't but it's impressive, Chris.
3: <laughs> it's, it's very it, impressive. My Japanese
2: used to be all right two years ago, but it has gone downhill. It's really awkward when people ask, oh, how's your Japanese these days? Because it has gone down. Um... I it peaked in I think 2015 or 16 when I did this mm. speech contest and I had to memorize 15 a 15 minute Japanese speech word for word. For some reason that was why, but that was what they did in the speech contest. Stupid Bloody people. hell! But yeah, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, but uh, after that, I kind of just lost all motivation because I was like, well. That's the peak. There's nothing else. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean,
3: you've beat the you've beat the final boss, and you've gone back and you know do a couple of quests.
2: I can't believe I did it. I still can't believe I was able to do it. (laughs) It's incredible. I used to be terrified of public speaking before that. But after mm. I did that, I was like, no problem. <laughs> and it kind of prepared me for, like, the TEDx talk thing, Yes. last year. So where so, did that come yeah, about? Well, that, was, that, was like a, that was like
3: a TED talk in, in Tokyo, was it? Sort of talking about being a YouTuber and actually, stuff.
2: No, this one was in Tohoku. And, ah. uh, yeah, was, they, they kind of asked me in to just talk about my life as a vlogger. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it was a little bit scary. Unfortunately, half the audience didn't understand English, it seemed. So it was a bit awkward, like, I'd crack a joke and about five people would laugh whatever yeah i mean th-
3: yeah that, that's the it's reason good. Chris. yeah yeah <laughs> but, yeah because uh, didn't speak any really english yeah. <laughs> um, yeah definitely
2: yeah i don't know my japanese has gone down and i'd like to kick it back into gear i'd like to get back to studying but again it's one of those things isn't it like you try and f- i always try and focus on the one thing that's most important to me mm. right now and the mo- the thing that's most important to me right now is becoming a filmmaker yeah uh, especially after the brian cranston Intro. It kind of, maybe, I, I listened to that and I thought, God damn it, I wish I was friends with Brian Cranston. Maybe if I make a movie... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm literally not but... friends with <laughs> Bryan Cranston. He
3: just came in for some interviews. Uh, interviews that, that celebrities and uh, showbiz uh, but you that know, actors... But that means you're
2: best friends with them. They that hate, you they hate friends. doing that.
3: They hate doing press. They hate having to do three days in a hotel. Did he hate you? Uh, and, and no doubt when <laughs> they finally meet me, they hate me too. So there we go. <laughs>
2: and your happy Northern accent did you get alright with him he, he
3: was genuinely very very sweet indeed it's, it's been a good week for it, interviews actually I've got who oh, have I got on um, uh, I've got Emily oh, Blood God. next I think at some point but oh, she. Uh, but Emily but, Blood but, but everyone's Simon
2: been,
3: Pegg everyone's Brian been Guns. lovely Everyone's been lovely. It doesn't always happen like that. It's, sometimes it's just a bit like, "Oh, it's a bit rubbish." But it, it, it's always like the difference between getting um, getting film stars in the studio rather than having to go to a hotel because they have these hotels where they set up in like a really swanky yeah, place, yeah. and you just get a, a procession of uh, people. You get given your little discs, your little. Um, Your little memory cards afterwards, and then you just bugger up, Mm. bugger off after like getting about five minutes. It's just not worth doing at all. Uh, But luckily, because we're in a radio station that has, you know, seven or eight different brands,
2: everybody wants a slice. Everybody wants a piece. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, it's not quite. So it's not quite as glamorous as you'd expect. It's dreadful, Chris. It's it's. I mean, it's truly
3: dreadful. Truly dreadful. In the same way that uh, you know, people who want to, people who are Japanifers and people who want to move to Japan and you know, you know, drink and eat and be merry. It's very different to, you know, the nine-to-five grind of being, a, you know, an English language teacher or, mm. you know, or, or, <laughs> or, or, or just living in Japan and dealing with the post office well, and the bank. yeah,
2: that's... I guess people only see the glamorous sides of yeah, like that. Like, exactly. I remember when I met you and I learned about what you did and when I saw your interviews, I was like, that lucky rascal. But the more I got to, the more I talked to you about it, the more I kind of felt, ah, oh, it's probably not.
3: <laughs> Nothing's I mean, that I mean, good.
2: Kind of be a bit of a tease having Brian Cranston come in, having like eight minutes before he's whisked, off, whisked away. Yeah, exactly. And I don't even get to speak to him like a normal in a normal conversation kind of thing. No, exactly. But, and uh, it- same people like always think being a vlogger is glamorous, right? You know, it looks good. On my videos, I mm. travel to the mountains of Hokkaido. I mm. sleep in temples. I go to wonderful places and sit in onsen. But it's actually like shooting out and about is not particularly glamorous it is a no. bit nightmarish and especially, especially for me because I am the cameraman I'm the presenter mm. I'm the director I have to think about how what I'm filming is going to make sense it's going to make like, how it's going to work as a video how the narrative is going to be there so, and I edit it as well which take, takes like hours on end hunched mm. over a laptop um, so it's not quite as glamorous as you make out it's nice the best moment is when you have the finished video right and you kind of go oh it's done Fifteen minutes, you upload it and then bang, a few thousand people watch it. That's the moment, it's all worth it. But mm. before that, it's not it's not as fun a process as you'd as you'd imagine.
3: And especially yes. when you are having to um film everything yourself and also like you you in a culture where it's not particularly permissive, everyone's um kind of very polite and stuff, but like you you've gotta um uh, have your wits about you what's okay to film what's not okay to film um, which people will allow you to film in their restaurant or which people will allow you to film and, and liaising with that I imagine is half the struggle the administrative side of you know can I film in here can I film uh, my friends eating a big a big uh, gyoza yeah, can I you get know? the fun out
2: of it yeah well we filmed in a ramen shop a few weeks mm. ago for the a video we did about ramen and the, the we the guy the the ramen shop owner was like no nope, you can't film us making it I was like what why didn't we... <laughs> I think I think he might have said before that we could, but we didn't... I obviously, came, when it came to it, it didn't happen. And I was like, God damn it, that was like the most important thing in this video about yeah. Armin. And, and you won't let us film film you making it so was he scared yeah, cuz annoying he was just incredibly
3: um he had really dirty hands or something he was just really just worried that you were you from the health yeah, board I,
2: like I mean his excuse was it's a secret the <laughs> making of the ramen's a secret but <laughs> everybody knows you make ramen everybody knows how you make ramen even a <laughs> bit of chicken I even stuff, saw bit him making it it was very like the nor- like normal but uh, fair play <laughs> to him you know you can't push people no like, exactly. let me film it no let me film it <laughs> <laughs> oh, YouTube, it doesn't work, does it? Um, but, yeah, no, you find, actually, that the one tip to get around it, though, is to just talk to people in advance before you film. Yeah. Like a week in advance. Whenever I film in a restaurant, like we did the the, uh, the monster Gyoza thing recently, mm. we had to ring them up, like, four days in advance. And So try and just ring ahead in advance, and it's fine. No mm. problems. And, uh, yeah, just... Uh, that's, the, that's the only way around it. That's the best way around it, to be honest. And once you ring up and ask for permission nine times out of ten people do say yes so yeah, yeah 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 I mean that's not the difficult thing about filming in Japan really um, I'd say filming in Japan is actually a doddle people don't get right. in the way people aren't annoying hmm. uh, like if you film in the UK people might shout or make noises as they walk past or whatever but like, hmm. it doesn't happen here right it's actually been quite a nice process being here and making videos but I mean I'm a vlogger that's, that's not so glamorous you're a radio DJ top London radio DJ and you've had quite a good uh, quite a good little career I say mm. little career It's a big career It's quite <laughs> and good now, And now uh, you must die How did die. you even get to being Like a radio DJ How does that even happen For people listening Who are considering Being radio DJs So they can Meet Brian Cranston mm. what, what advice would you give
3: well, Tell us it, your in- story in many ways, uh, YouTube is flourishing and, and radio is very much in a very different place. <laughs> but uh, mm. how I became a radio no DJ, as they say it in Japan, uh, was I was working for a local government um, in uh, London, uh, a housing quango, basically helping people move out of um, social housing in London, really? helping, helping them it's move worth, up north, basically. I was oh, a marketing what you guy.
2: Hugely now,
3: bloody hell. Yeah, hugely. And, um, and I wasn't very good at. Like the design side of things, my my kind of I, I was doing a bit of design, bit of marketing, bit of liaising with um, local councils up north and stuff.
0: But mm, uh, mm.
3: I was, um, th- I mean, uh, and then I, ju- I just started um, listening to a couple of radio stations in London. One was XFM. Now I really enjoyed the breakfast, and I really enjoyed oh, the people who used to be. Um, Ricky
2: Gervais and yeah, Steve
3: I mean, Merchant. I mean, XFM's like the al- alumni that used to DJ um, on there. like Adam and Jaw and um, Stephen Merchant and uh, Ricky Gervais and Carl legendary. Pilkington and um, it's Simon. it stai- a- It's
2: kind of like the legendary radio station. Yeah,
3: like, so. it sort of got everyone of them, together yeah. when they were a little bit younger in their careers mm. and uh, managed to get some really. You really actually good worked British with Carl
2: Pilkington for a bit, didn't
3: you? Very, very briefly. Yeah, yeah, a couple of months uh, crossover on that is he, one. Is he, was, he, he was actually, is he
2: actually like what's what's he like? In In real life, everyone wants to know, like, if Carl Pilkington is what he's like on on like uh, in video. What yeah he's like in real life is
3: there, i'd, I'd say like? I'd, I'd say he is very much like he is in real life but um uh, he uh, sorry he's very much uh, in real life like he is on the television <laughs> it's so, it's so confusing So <laughs> when when identical <laughs> but he yeah, um yeah. but i think i think on television i think on on radio i think he knows in the same way that you know on most of my podcasts i play you know an idiot character sort of thing he 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 knows how to weaponize his idiocy um for
2: for 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 yeah, really uh, phrase. <laughs> I'm going to have to write that down Weaponised idiocy <laughs> Weaponised idiocy The future
0: <laughs> Yeah, so, no, yeah. it doesn't surprise
2: me, to be honest You no. like, get the sense that he clearly knows what he's doing yeah, Oh, yeah, but he's not, he's not, he's not good an idiot. At Yeah, And, he, he, and he's he, quite he, a good actor as well, if you see him in Derek I quite, uh, Yeah, I thought he's he was quite good. good at Derek, yeah. yeah Really, really good But you've also worked on the Tokyo Game Show as well, haven't you? That's that's like one of your ways into Japan You'd come here and like present pieces on the Tokyo Game Show, right? Yeah kind of well, I, I mean I would, game, yeah Tokyo Game Show
3: yeah, yeah the Tokyo uh, TGS in uh, god where is it it's near um oh, Narita Nation isn't it? it no it's no it's out, it's out I've
2: never been it's out, it's out been in a
3: god there's a, there's a place between um between the airport and um, the main station it's kind of chiba it's in chiba there we go uh, yeah it's in chiba and uh, it's a bit of a i mean it's a bit of a schlep on a hangover that's all i'm saying so the first time <laughs> i actually came out i didn't actually manage to get to tgs uh, i did manage this time around though uh, and I, I mean i was officially there on a you know on a on a tokyo game show kind of press pass um, but mm, again like any when, when it comes to um, japanese gaming and, and, and us slash you know western gaming it's just night and day like there, there are titles there i've never really heard of it, in my life, and, and to be honest, most yeah. developers now are, are, are going out to um, you know, they're not even making video games anymore. Look at Metal Gear Solid, look at Konami, yeah, they're Konami. Conc- concentrating shame, on there.
2: Konami have gone to turning into just making out these silly, phone apps. or pachinko. Yeah, it's a pretty sad trajectory.
3: Pachinko, pachinko. We'll have to talk about that in uh, future episodes. Well, the that's money a, that's is a trip. yeah. Pachinko pachingo. is a whole
2: different. <laughs> day, it? But yeah, so it's it's it, for it, another day.
3: It's a lot of fun, but it's uh, it's uh, it's very confusing, very loud. Mm. Um, mainly like what, when
2: I'm trippu. You're really confusing and loud. <laughs> but did you like? Did you actually want to be a radio DJ? At What point did you like come into it? How did it happen?
3: No, I, I, I never wanted to be a radio DJ in itself. I wanted to be like a sidekick because. It's just a lot easier. You get to do more gags, and to be honest, a radio DJ is such a weird discipline because you're literally playing out songs. You literally start saying, "Hello, I'm Pete. Here's a song I didn't write.
2: <laughs> I'll at be back po- in. Well, I'll,
3: I'll be back in a second for no good reason." You,
2: at what point did you go like, "I, I want to be a radio DJ one day"? Were you like at school, for example, eighteen or whatever? Oh God, no, did you no, think I didn't want to do. Or did you make no, like? radio no aspirations. stations at home on
3: your computer as <laughs> I used to do with friends no 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 aspirations at all really as i said i was just yeah. i used to just listen to um uh listen to xfm when i was on my way to work and when i was on my way home mm-hmm. from work and it was just literally me going on a little digital radio that did had terrible reception it was just me sort of going like you in many ways sort of saying you know what do, what do you want me, your life to be like uh, and it was and i remember it being very difficult. I was on like £30,000 for working for the um, government because, you know, it was, it was a good job. And I'd gone yeah, through a, a few few different pay grades. Um, and that went down to when I moved to XFM, I started on work experience. So I was doing that in the morning and then going to work at about 10 o'clock. Doing a breakfast show, going to work uh, for a full day of work, and then you know managed to f- get myself a little job um, doing. Um, I was I was uh, co-presenting slash um, assistant producing on on Lorna event show, and I got to produce people like Adam and Joe, Danny Wallace, things like that. And uh, mm-hmm. going going on, uh, and I went down to like I think it was about. Off uh, ten and a half thousand, which in London wow. is just unworkable, massively unworkable. Wait, so ten and a
2: half thousand, yeah. It just it was un- unworkable.
3: Oh, yeah, it, there's not, there, there is, there was no money in radio, and there's certainly no money, now. but yeah, but it was. I know mean, you,
2: I know you like people lot do, a lot of people do like work experience for free and stuff, yeah. internships. Yeah, uh, to get their foot in the door, but that's pretty brutal, bloody. Hell. That
3: that was that was a good that was a good couple of years before I sort of said to um, the person I was working with, uh, Alexander, said, "Look, I can't I can't do this anymore. Anyway. Yeah. You need to, you need to talk to your agent. You need to talk to." Her. And he managed to he managed to double my salary. I mean, that was still only you know twenty twenty odd grand. I made I made my money up by doing DJ sets and stuff at the weekend and little yeah. production jobs and stuff. But it was just, I mean, looking back, it
2: was. So you did have that kind of make or break period, right? Where things you could have just given up and yeah, back to work and gone and, well. so and, and, go on, and to go take that up and, hit. You had to go through yeah, kind of tough few years to actually get onto XFM and stay there. Yeah, I mean it's
3: it is just about um diversifying and trying to just help out where you can. You can't always um just do stuff through goodwill because you're just you're gonna be fucked by <laughs> excuse my language, yeah, but yeah. but uh but you know, give yourself a couple of years, see if you can see if you can eke out a, oh, a do. living doing it.
2: Yeah, I do see parallels there. Like I, I know I touched upon earlier how I came back here and you know, as a sort of test run when I moved to Sendai, but yeah. Like I was using credit cards, I wasn't making any money because I oh, hadn't yeah. made any videos a long time the YouTube channel wasn't generating any money hmm. so I had to use cr- loads of credit cards which I, I was able to pay them off after a few months but yeah, I had that kind of period where I kind of put myself in what seemed like an unnecessarily difficult situation I could have done loads of jobs so I turned down like a job as a consultant uh, to do it and the consultancy job would have paid lots more but at the end yeah. of the day I wanted to be a YouTuber. I wanted to try it out and see what would happen going down that road. You know, otherwise you just kick yourself. So, yeah, I do see sing- parallels there fo- what you did.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. a singular focus, isn't it? And sort of gone. Well, but well, then again, well out of
2: this. everybody wants to romanticise their story, don't they?
3: Yeah, hugely, hugely. For
2: the, for the autobiography, the difficult <laughs> years. Like, uh, really, yeah, I did have a tough, bit of a tough time. Which, yeah, I did have a tough time, but. In the grand scheme of things, compared to most people, I guess it was no big deal. But you do have that crunch time for a lot of people. If you're listening and you've got a dream, and you hit that crunch time point, just keep on keep on going, and hopefully things will turn out all right. Get crunchy. <laughs> Get crunching. <laughs> with that, it's time for Speedy Japanese.
3: Yay, Speedy Japanese, my favorite part of the show, where I yeah, underwhelm I thought...
2: with my memory. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd keep it simple this week with okay. one kind of one expression. Uh, because I guess to an extent, I started out YouTube as a hobby, and you—well, actually, I don't know if you started out what you're doing as a hobby. It was mm. actually the real thing, wasn't
3: it? Wow, is <laughs> well, it? Yeah, well, as a was
2: hobby. There. Oh, hobby! This is like, right. Okay. The key. This is like one of the first things you learn in Japanese. Ah. Uh, do you know the word for hobby?
3: I do not know the word for hobby, Chris. Do not. It's
2: like what, no, whenever you like learn Japanese in any book or anything, it's like the first, probably like the tenth phrase in that you learn. Oh, really? The tenth not, word in. I'm not yeah, love, it. Everybody no. loves this word. <laughs> and uh, when I was when I was teaching English, all the students have to like all the students are fluent at it. I don't know why, but yeah, the word for hobby is uh, shumi. Shumi, 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 like shumi, 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 and me <laughs> shumi. Yeah, and uh, to say your hobby, you know, basic grammatical Japanese structure, don't you?
3: Very basic. Don't you?
2: (laughs) So, like, you'd say, shumiwa, so shumiwa, wa "wa" means regarding, Mm. so regarding my hobby, shumiwa, and then, whatever your, whatever it is. Whatever the hobby is. In your case, it's soccer, right?
3: Yeah, I like a bit of soccer. You love your soccer. Yeah.
2: You love it. Uh, So you'd say, shumiwa, soccer, soccer desu. Mmm simple Ah.
3: shumi wa regarding my hobby
2: it's football it's soccer and for me I guess I'd say shumi wa (laughs) youtuber I don't I don't know I don't think I'm ever going to use that in any (laughs) any situation or conversation ever but there you go shumi you hear it Uh. a lot people love it here hobby because
3: you obviously shumiwa youtuber this, which is your uh, hobby. It's also YouTube. your job though. It's yes. also your job though, isn't it? So, would that be shigoto? Shigoto wa youtuber this.
2: So you're using words from previous podcasts. Yes, thank good. you. Yeah, thank you. Same thing. Yeah. Shigoto yeah. wa. Shigoto wa youtuber this. Shigoto wa youtuber So this. regarding my job, it's yeah. YouTube.
3: I <laughs> think yeah, ah. Japanese,
2: in many ways, the grammatical structure is not too difficult once you have got your head around that. The wa. Basically means regarding So mm. whatever you say If you follow it up with wa It means regarding So if I say like Pete san wa Regarding Pete Suck the last this. He likes football Yeah Yeah you know, I do So <laughs> But yeah Shoo me Shoo me And now Let's dive into wacky news of the week
3: Wacky news of the week My <laughs> other favourite um, bit of the podcast
2: <laughs> So I woke up this morning Went down the news feed on Facebook And this video was bloody everywhere Right. Uh, and it is, I mean, it looks cool. I mean, it is cool. It's Samurai with jetpacks having a mid air battle with katana swords. I think it's, <laughs> it's like something out of a Michael Bay movie. Yeah. Uh, at first, it, I thought it looked real. But then, if you look closer, it doesn't seem real at all. But it kind of works well enough to the point that it's alright. And nobody seems to mind. Um, it's like, I don't, yeah, I don't know what, what the thought process was behind this.
3: So there's these two samurai um having a scrap with swords. Uh they they they're on the floor and they're having a fight and then suddenly they start floating. Uh like something out of a out of a uh, an eastern film, a uh, Japanese uh, samurai film. And uh yeah, it's
2: very impressive, isn't it? It is. I I think I mean it's pr- I think it's on wires. What do you reckon? It
3: it is massively really on wants. wires, but but and also the, is, jet, given the, that, jet, like, the jet. I know at one point one of the guys <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're tiny, aren't they? The jetpack. One of the guys turns at one point, but like the jet and the jetpack moves with him, but it doesn't change direction. I think it's a giveaway. <laughs> but it, if you, I think if you look at it, if you just glance at the video, it's, it is convincing. Oh, it looks uh, It looks fantastic. And also, I think I'm more impressed with the fact
3: that an amateur production managed to get two cranes involved. I was like, I wouldn't even know where to get a crane, so that's more impressive than yeah. actually owning a jetpack.
2: Well, I think, yeah, I think the fact that it's just on a handheld kind of camera phone style <laughs> yeah. as well. The video quality is not even that good. It uh, kind of, again, yeah, it, do, it looks like that, doesn't it? You'd think, how the hell could they get a camera, a crane in there for that? Yeah. I don't know what the context was. Uh, I read that it's some sort of Japanese actor and director called Shota Mori, uh, who was famous a few years ago. He made a video where he got the, uh, he reenacted the scene from Taxi Driver where Uh, Robert De Niro flicks his wrist and a gun Mm. pops out of his arm. And he kind of created that himself. He actually made that by hand and uh, did it. That video went viral. And this was supposed to be his follow-up video, a samurai battle with jetpacks. uh,
3: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's
0: plushcare.com slash weightloss. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. Moonpig.com
2: Thoroughly wash your manly body. Wow! got um, time for some last minute questions is yeah let's show them
3: in um, thank you so much for everyone who's uh, got in touch recently uh, what's the email address again Chris even though with my radio training as discussed last week <laughs> you've got to end the piece with the email address you
2: lambasted me last week for yeah, uh, mentioning
3: it too early <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's it is book end it.
2: Japan podcast at gmail.com
3: ok right cool um, so first... send in any
2: questions you might have there guys or any feedback or comments and they might appear in the show Mm, like definitely. these
3: questions. Uh, Matthew says, uh, hello, Chris and Pete. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, I was uh, wondering about the research that goes into your videos. When you compare them to a few years ago, they are getting way more educational with loads of uh, historical footnotes, which I'm quite happy with. Quite happy I
2: think with. He, he's probably referring to that video recently. Uh, well, we we went to this, like... It was for the ramen video that I mentioned mm. earlier. We went to this temple, which was really cool. It was designed by... Influenced by Leonardo da Vinci. So ah. random. This, like, little temple in Fukushima. And we, around the, we went around the back of it, and there's a, a statue donated by Benito Mussolini in, like, the 1930s or something. <laughs> and it's so weird that it's there. Like, in the middle of nowhere in Fukushima but uh, I didn't research that I genuinely didn't know that that was there just climbing around the (laughs) back of a mountain just hanging out (laughs) yeah there was this um, statue donated from uh, Pompeii one of like three in Pompeii, Benito Mussolini, sent it to Japan as he was inspired by some local samurai warriors from that, uh, from that town in Fukushima in Aizu Wakamatsu. So, yeah, I learned that on the go. I learned it there and then, and that's why I kind of seemed so surprised in the video. But, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I did try to do some research, obviously. It's highly recommended, especially if you're tra- spending enormous amounts of money travelling around to various places in Japan. Mm. You need to do your research. So, yeah, then, there's a fair bit of research, I guess
3: and that's the thing like every town's got a little story every town's got a little quirk every town's got a different kind of ramen that's slightly yeah. more al dente <laughs> than the next it's so or so they'd so so like weird. to think
2: or so they'd like to think every <laughs> yeah everywhere in Japan thinks it's like special and unique
3: anyway. yeah Rebecca Rebecca's uh, sent in an email hey I've been watching your channel for a while now and I'm a big fan I'm going to be going to Japan this October slash November with a friend and here's my question I am a moderately tattooed and all-round modified person. Multiple That'd large tattoos on person. my... I know, right? Sounds very futuristic. Multiple large tattoos on my arm, leg and back, multiple facial piercings, and, of course, dyed hair. I've heard that tattoos mm. tattoos are uh, still relatively taboo in Japan compared to the West, and I know certain places frown upon them or ban them outright. I've already accepted there'll be no water park visits for me. I'll have to cover up with temples and the like, and finding an onsen that will let me in will prove Tricky. Uh, do you have any further advice mm. or recommendations for a tattooed person visiting Japan? Other things to look out for, slash places that may or may not look kindly upon them. My travel partner has already really wanted to stay at Ryokan in Fuji. Are there tattoo-friendly ones, or will that have to be an experience she enjoys on her own? Thank you for your time, and keep up the good work. A smiley face, Rebecca.
2: Well, I think you feel qualified to answer that one, given that I took you to an onsen, mm. and... As as the clothes came off, it slowly revealed a tattoo of your own uh, from behind,
3: <laughs> and it was Chris's <laughs> face.
2: <laughs> I yeah, it was Frankie Muniz's face. <laughs> I, um, but yeah, I was worried you were not going to get let in. I think there was a sign saying no tattoos but you didn't give a shit. You just went in. Mate, and you I'm, kind I don't, of I don't give a toss. Dived into the water and was gone. Maybe you could see. Maybe well, was any the wiser.
3: Yeah, well, I've got I've got like two I wouldn't say heavily legged tattoo uh, heavily tattooed legs, but I mean they're, you know most of my calf and front uh, have, on did. on both on both legs are pretty, you know, we're not talking a little butterfly on the base of the spine. We are talking you know, a fair whack of my legs are tattooed so yeah because some places don't they have little stickers you can put on them it's all very silly and all a bit of a dance but I think
2: giant plasters these days you can uh, conceal your tattoos and your modified body with yeah Uh, but I think it's becoming luckily because of the Olympics Mm. uh, more and more I think the Japanese government was like please stop this rule to a lot of uh, nonsense because Japanese yakuza are are few and far between these days, especially out in rural areas. Yeah. And I don't think it's an issue. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's changing. It's changing. If there's not plasters, then, I don't know, just try. Just try going in. Even then, I'll be amazed if someone calls you out for it. No, exactly. Uh, it's, it's a sp- silly rule. It's a silly rule. Obviously, is it- Pete is not the accuser if he's got a tattoo no. from Monkey Island. I mean, that would be... <laughs> super- <laughs> yeah, I think, that yeah. That would yeah, be I- the ideal <laughs> tattoo to have, if you the
3: accuser, though. <laughs> I um I have had a tattoo done in Japan for crying out loud. I got like a mate who, um, uh, I met the first time I actually went to Japan. A guy called uh, uh, Yomi, and he's mm. uh, an incredibly talented chap. And he was he was without studio at the time. And I went just went around his house in um Sh- well close to Shibuya, whatever one of the one of the stations near yeah. Shibuya, and uh, he just tattooed me in his house for four hours. So. There we go. So yeah. I've actually had a tattoo done in Japan in some dude's house. That is cool.
2: <laughs> I've thought I've thought about doing it, but yeah, I have actually because of I, I'm often in onsens and things. I do. I, I've have I've hesitated to do it as a result. Oh, that's uh, so is lovely. Kind of annoying. But I'd say yeah, just wear a plaster. Ask the staff when you go into an onsen. Often you can find out online. There's even a map I found once where you can type in uh, the onsen and see if it's friendly or not towards tattoos. Right. So I would check that out. Just type in onsen tattoos japan and hopefully the website will come up but uh yeah i don't know just try and try and get in and not worry yeah. about it or ask I'd... the staff or take some plasters yeah, yeah exactly I, number, though, I mean it's i mean, kind of
3: co- cover up on the way in and you know and once you're once you're past the uh, little uh once you're in the in the changing rooms I th- can anyone really stop you for crying out loud no no they should get involved mate <laughs> International incident. Who cares? Um, we've got a we've got final one last question here. Without
2: <laughs> yeah. uh, without anybody I don't I don't know who sent it in, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, I've but heard it about says that. I wanted to know why English language is so popular when it comes to marketing for Japanese consumers. Why not other languages? I assume most Japanese people have very little interest in learning English. You say that they well they do actually, right? They have very little interest, but uh, <laughs> English is kind of seen as a cool marketing language English and French there's a lot of French around mm. um, and what you find is the english isn 't always that good, but it's it 's just there it 's interesting like the i find um Businesses just use English, even though it's not grammatically correct, it's often quite weird, just because it makes their business look cool, mm. and it makes people want to go there. It's kind of an easy way of looking stylish.
3: But we sort of, like, make out, like, uh, we're not exactly the and same. The amount of, like, stupid Japanese nonsense, that's like, true. writing... Super dry. We use, we use super so, dry springs to Super mind. dry, yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. I was eating some bloody noodles, Kabuto noodles, uh, before. If you read the back of a packet of Kabuto noodles, it's madness. It's absolute racist jingoistic madness so we you know we're we all uh, I'm looking at the back of a Kabuto noodles packet I've googled um Kabuto noodles are a delicious combination of authentic Asian flavors, quality ingredients prepared with the skill, dedication, and discipline of a samurai warrior. Step two of the Roy. process of creating these bloody noodles: uh, stir well, <laughs> leave for one minute, then enjoy noodles straight from the pot or pod into a bowl. If you haven't got a bowl available, try an upside down helmet. Uh, if you wait three or four minutes for it to cool down, you can op- you have an opportunity to meditate or practice your karate. Failure to follow so instructions well. correctly will bring great shame to yourself and your family. It's just jingoistic nonsense. It's is dreadful,
2: so, isn't it? So terrible. Don't eat kabob or noodles. They don't taste week. nice. <laughs> I saw. I was in a bookshop and I saw a sort of book with a panda on it. I think it's just a book about pandas. Nice. And the, the two words on the front were pandamental. That was the <laughs> title of the book. Pandamental. I mean, and the a trick there, haven't they? Pandemonium would work. Picture disgruntled-looking panda on the front. Um, it didn't even look that mental, but no. uh, yeah, I, d- I don't know what the relevance of that was. I, looked, I flicked through it, had a look, <laughs> don't know why it was there. Just a uh, book about pandas. Panda mental. Yeah, the sat
3: panda sat on the front radio. going, oh, I'm all right. I'm a- I've got- we've all got our problems. We've all got our issues. <laughs> outrageous. Uh, I guess we've come to the end of the show. Thank you to everyone who got involved and emailed in. What's that email address again, Chris? Let's bookend this oh, feature.
2: Abroad in Japan, podcast at gmail.com. Woo. Thoroughly original email address.
3: You'd never have thought it up
2: yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But thanks for listening, guys. No matter where you might be out there in the big wide world, we'll see you next week. Yay! Have a good Uh, week, guys. Fundamental. Make sure your
3: passport's in date, guys, alright? That's all I'm saying.
2: Oh,